Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am your host. Welcome back. We're back on air. Wait a minute. That's the wrong music. Turn that crap off. Why are you playing the wrong music? Play the other music. Everybody and welcome. This is actually uh, episode number 132 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And as you've already heard, we have Richard back on the show with us tonight because Pete went AWOL. We have no idea where he is, and Richard decided that he had some free time, so he's going to fill in. So, good evening, Richard. How are you tonight? Welcome back to the program. Well, I didn't realize it was going to take so much free time, but here we are. We're on the air. We're, we're, uh, inter, wait a minute, international, international at this point, life is good. And we're even th- talking about cleaning products and stuff. So go ahead, Russ, doggone it. I done forgot what I was going to say. We've had such a trial getting this show rolling that I can't even begin to explain. But with Richard, we also have Cheryl. Good evening, Cheryl. Good evening. And we have a special guest co-host tonight. His name is Ben Schramm, and he is from Perth in Western Australia. Good evening, Ben. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Ross, and uh, hello, everyone out there. And um, thank you for uh, correctly pronouncing my last name. That's well, that's it, uh, a clap to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really uh, think there was any other way you could pronounce it. But. There'll be no clap giving. We're not giving a clap to nobody. <laughs> no, no love, no love. That's the way we work here. All right. <laughs> but you okay. can't catch uh, something twice anyway. Richard, you can give Richard all the clap you want, just as long as you leave me out of it. Hey. Hey. <laughs> There's lots of groups where I work, so I have to be careful. <laughs> well, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, we are actually recording tonight using Google Hangouts, which may or may not prove to be a nightmare. Whatever audio issues you hear are due to that. But we will talk to Ben a little bit as we go along through the evening. We have a few news stories that we want to get through, and then we'll talk more about Ben and Western Australia and didgeridoos probably. Or I need me one of them. 
everybody needs a didgeridoo because that's the stereotype, right? There's probably only one person in a thousand in Australia who actually uses one, but we all think everyone has one. one. You've got one? Yeah, I haven't played it for a while, but oh, yeah, I've got one. <laughs> Do you, if you yeah, if, if you seriously one. can like go to wherever it is and bring it back and play it, that would be the most awesome thing ever. Ooh, yeah, we all right. Let us pull up on the harmonicas. We got to do something else. Oh, a harmonica and didgeridoo duo. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, let's get this thing a rolling because uh, with the exception of Ben, the rest of us are going to have to get some sleep here pretty soon. It's still, still early morning in Perth right now. Actually, I guess it's kind of late morning in Perth right now. What I said, he's got all day to mess with this. We're not so lucky. All right. So, huh? Walking Dead. Need to watch. Uh, are you not caught up on Walking Dead? No, shush. Oh, well, let me tell you what happens. Shush. I'm still reading Hurst getting his head cut off. Oh, you're back a ways then. Yeah, yeah. that's ages. <laughs> watching on Netflix because we didn't have AMC, and now we're in a place where we have AMC, so I'm having to catch up. So anyway, Cheryl found us a bunch of interesting news stories. So I'm going to start with the first one, and then I'll make Richard read a couple and make Cheryl read a couple one. The first one is getting to know D star without buying a radio, which would be a great thing because I don't have a D star radio. Cause I don't have any money. If you're thinking about getting into D star and are wondering just what you can expect when you get your radio or your DV dongle, but you don't have one yet, you can now find out what it's like by listening to live audio from the Victor alpha six echo Foxtrot Romeo gateway. To monitor this without any D-Star equipment, you just take your web browser to the Edmonton Fire Radio website at www.edmontonfireradio.com. Click on the Listen Live link. You can also monitor on your mobile device using various scanner apps for Android, iPhone, or BlackBerry. Does anyone actually still own a BlackBerry? Is that like a thing? Uh, Depending on the app, you would search by location, then select Canada, Alberta, Edmonton, and then the VE6 EFR D-Star Gateway. And for those of you who already have D-Star gear, if you want to check out this gateway, you can tune your gateway to Reflector 30 Charlie, connect to it that way, and you'll be able to hear what it's like for folks to be on D-Star. Even if you don't have a radio, you can just listen to it via the web, which is kind of cool. I might go ahead and check this out. I'm a little confused. Why are you confused? Are are Canadians in the habit of setting the radios on fire? I, I don't think that's what it means. But it sounded like. Edmonton Fire Radio? Well, I, I'm guessing that's not what they mean by that, but they could. Maybe they just have really okay. tough radios. Or maybe they go through a lot of them because they're not working out and they have to fire them. <laughs> More fun shooting guns in the house. Yep. It's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all talk about something. I'm, I'm on the verge of being in. All right. Well, I'll talk about this because I've been getting my, my Doctor Who fix lately. I've gone back and started watching... Doctor number one, which is kind of interesting because I, I didn't get to see uh, Hartnell back in the day because I wasn't born yet. So now I'm sort of experiencing it now. But there's a link between Doctor Who and Ham Radio, apparently. It gets a very brief mention in an article on making the music for the British Doctor Who series from the test equipment at the Radiophonic <laughs> Workshop. The story is that the, the UK newspaper, The Register, had an article called Delia and the Doctor, how to how to cook up a tune for a Time Lord. And among other things, it describes the BBC's Wobulator, 
because time, you know, is wibbly wobbly. They use that to create some of the music for the ham radio, or not for the ham radio, for the Doctor Who theme. Basically uses a beat frequency oscillator, which is what the wobulator is. So that's kind of cool. Ham radio helped contribute to Doctor Who. Awesome. I'm surprised he doesn't use ham radio. You'd think that would be cool technology for the doctor to get into. All right. He has a TARDIS. He does have a TARDIS. We don't don't have a TARDIS. He has a TARDIS. Doesn't he have that little one thing? Oh, the sonic screwdriver? Oh, yeah, I guess that's what it's called. (laughs) Uh, Not a big fan of Doctor Who, I can tell. (laughs) No, not really. Yeah, I've never heard it called that one thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to see if Cheryl's still awake so she can read the next story. Yeah, just, just wait a minute. I just want to make this comment, and I just want everybody to know we should be proud of the people of Australia because Australians are the Texans of the former British Empire. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, no, I they, agree they, to that. They got, cool <laughs> they got cool animals. They even got this great big rock in the middle of the place that's really cool. Oh, Wooloo? We have one. Yeah. We, we, we have one like that here. It's called Enchanted Rock. I, I've actually, I, I love seeing pictures of Uluru. I'd, I'd love to go there and see that for real sometime. I guess they call it Ayers Rock around here or something. I don't know. Well, we they used it. to call it that, but uh, no, under indigenous laws, they've uh, changed the title to Uluru, or back to Uluru, I should say. Cheryl, you want to read the next story? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> A new commercial video service called the High Definition Earth Viewing, or HDEV, was launched by... <laughs> okay, now there's typing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Launched from the International Space Station on April 8th on board the SpaceX Dragon resupply mission. The set of four high-definition video cameras are now operational after being installed on the external payload facility of the Columbus module. The cameras and electronics are enclosed in a pressurized box to provide protection to the equipment from the harsh environment of space. This is not the ham TV experiment, and your screen will appear black when the ISS is in the orbital night. You can see the new live ISS video feed anytime at tinyurl.com slash ISS hyphen two hyphen earth. And this information will be in the show notes. That's kind of interesting. I didn't even know this was a part of the ISS program. I wonder if they just decided to do it, or maybe someone in the chat room could speak to knowing about how this project came about, because I know nothing about it. This is the first I've heard of it. Have you ever been to space? I've been about... 30,000 feet into space. Does that count? Have you ever been to space? It's boring out there. There ain't nothing to do. Nothing. Yeah. Go outside. Make sure things aren't falling off. It's dark and there's clouds of yellow stuff (laughs) and go back in. That's all it is. It's boring. They have to have stuff to do. Probably. Although I don't imagine they sit there watching the cameras because they have a firsthand view of everything they're showing. I think Ben will agree with me. Yeah. And uh, for the cost, I think it's... uh, not really worthwhile for the time being anyway. Although I would like to play uh, zero-G uh, soccer or football, as the international people would say. Speaking of soccer, I thought this whole World Cup thing was supposed to be like two weeks long. Hasn't it been like seven months now? Yes. Longer when it was here in Dallas. <laughs> uh, they had draft screwed up for months. I'm just wondering why why Brazil hasn't won yet. I mean, come on. Uh, they've actually just lost, I think. Oh great! Now they've lost. Well, screw it. I'm totally disinterested. They uh, it's one to seven to one. I'm not sure who they played though. Um, somebody better, clearly. So anyway, they were supposed to play somebody else. So back to like things that matter. 
Um, there have been new services announced for QRZ.com. Uh, there are some positive changes over there. The website database now fully supports secondary call signs. A secondary call sign is one which includes a slash plus a modifier as either a prefix or a suffix to the primary call. This feature is available to all QRZ users and can be accessed by simply editing your call sign or by using the My Account choice from the main QRZ menu, located under your call sign at the top right of the page. Also, unlike primary calls, secondary calls may be deleted by their owners at any time. Uh, so if you happen to be broadcasting from Thailand or something, you can uh, create a local modifier and log it to QRZ for lookup. Uh, another major change at QRZ concerns online logbooking, specifically logbook of the world. If you're a logbook of the world user, you can push your QRZ logs directly to logbook of the world with just a couple of mouse clicks. And once uploaded, your QSOs in the QRZ logbook will be shaded with a green background indicating that they have been sent. A quick start guide for QRZ Logbook of the World Operations is available at files.qrz.com stroke static stroke QRZ stroke L-O-T-W underscore cert underscore guide dot PDF. And of course, that link will appear in the show notes. So you don't have to like have been jotting down what I just said, which is good. Last episode, well, uh, second to last article for the for the first part of the show is Emory Healthcare in Atlanta uses ham radio for backup communications. Emory Healthcare is among a growing number of hospital systems to adopt ham radio as a secondary means of communication. Hospital administrators and government officials took a lesson from Hurricane Katrina, which left some Gulf Coast medical centers isolated from the outside world as wire telephones and cellular communications failed. Uh, John Davis, Whiskey Bravo 4, Quebec Delta X-Ray, affiliated with the Emory Healthcare System, noted that some of the technology that's been around for almost a century is still relevant, and according to Davis, in addition to major hurricanes, the terrorist attacks of September 11th rekindled interest in ham radio as a public safety tool. I think that's pretty much the case around the globe, but it's interesting to note that places that you wouldn't necessarily associate with ham radio communications are looking at it as a backup method of emergency communications. Uh, He also said that the number of amateur radio operators is at an all-time high, where over 720,000 hams are now licensed in the U.S. alone. I believe we reported maybe a year or a year and a half ago that that number was just barely over 600,000. So that's a considerable increase. Very, very well done, I guess, for all the new hams out there. See, this is not surprising to me. I'm wondering why it took them so long to get on board. Because most of the counties here in Texas have amateur radio built into the community, the emergency plan to cover the hospitals and the Red Cross and all the important folks like my house. <laughs> yes, very important folks like your house. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we really had for uh, the first segment, uh, initial news stories and whatnot that uh, have been sort of lingering for the past couple of episodes because this show has been a freaking hot, sweaty mess for, for a couple you know weeks or months. I did put in the, in the Etherpad for last episode a discussion point about whether or not we should go forward editing the show or just releasing it unedited, completely unedited. And after doing so, I sort of decided that doing that would be a really bad idea. But since Richard's here and he's the reason for the most part that the show needs to be edited, I figured, you know, we should let him pipe in. Well, no, I just, I'm, I'm I know that it would save a considerable amount of time in post-production if the show had to be unedited. 
or was to be unedited or might be unedited or could be unedited, but do you want to leave some of the crap that goes on in the show in the show? I thought that the unedited version was part of the uh, membership situation. See, I've been out of loop. Well, it kind of was presented as the ability for paid subscribers to get the unedited feed, but since I've never actually created one, that's really not a perk at this point. And I'm not so much, yeah, I'm not so much concerned about things like language that the show might be edited for as I am about things like the fact that we waffled around like crazy for two hours before we actually got the show rolling, the pauses, the ums, the ahs, and the ridiculous kind of things that just make the show almost intolerably long if it's not edited, as opposed to things that would otherwise be censored. Yes, it would save a lot of time in post-production for me having to go around and, and get rid of all that crap, but I think it creates a much better product. So, I, you know, my, my feeling is to continue doing it. You're the guy that has to do, has to do the editing. It kind of lays in your department. I really don't think you'd have a lot of folks hanging around too long if they were having to wade through seven hours of audio for an episode. <laughs> Well, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't leave that junk in. But, I mean, once the show got rolling, I wouldn't cut out anything in the middle. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. And since we have a listener of the show, maybe he could, you know, say what he thinks about that idea. Yeah, I agree. Um, editing out, like, the, uh, just like that, the ums and the pauses and the fluffing around trying to get my Skype to work is, uh, no one wants to hear that. But all of uh, Richard's input, it's all, it's all welcome received. What do you think about things that would normally be censored, like if it were going over the air, for example, in broadcast radio, care or don't care? Um, personally, I don't care. Because I'm, I'm Australian, I'm quite used to the swearing and uh, banter, but others may be a bit more jaded against it. So, I'm curious if anyone in the chat room has any input on whether they care or whether the show would be edited for content as opposed to just getting rid of the you know, the waffling and general silliness. I think the consensus would be from the folks that are in the chat room that they probably don't care. And I don't know that we have many children listening to the show, so I'm not sure that it's really an issue. It would certainly save a lot of time for me if I didn't have to be concerned about things that Richard said, for one thing. We have uh, Harrison. Yeah, what about Harrison? We have Harrison. We do have Harrison, Harrison. but he's on the show, so he hears it anyway. Just a baby. <laughs> I really hope someday he gets some. <laughs> he is a mana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think mine. I don't think it's uh, any stretch to think that miners are exposed to bad language. Uh, they probably use it more than we do. <laughs> That's true. Just play a game of Call of Duty, Call of Duty online, and you soon realize that. Yeah, and I, and I can't help. I get excited though. When I get excited, I say bad words. <laughs> Hippy. Sometimes, well, the whole the reason the Badger thing came about, I mean, other than the fact that Richard started the Badger thing, but the thing that came about using Badger to edit content was because it's actually funnier than hearing the actual words. I'm st I'm still going back and forth about it, but the, I think the 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 consensus that I'm hearing in here and, and in the chat room is that if I decided not to bother editing the show, that it really wouldn't make any difference. The audience may shift is the thing. Because amateur radios are amateur radio, yes, amateur radios, amateur radio operators as a whole, and this is just the pinning down amateur radio operator side of it. Amateur radio operators as a whole are a pretty conservative group. Yeah, 
uh, rich is that on a friend most of the time. Of course, that's every aspect of being human. Rich is that on a fringe of it. I'm sure that there are quite a few of the Linux side of it, the, the IT guys and stuff like that, that, you know, quite honestly, you probably need to put it out to the listeners of the show, the ones who actively download and listen to the show, the ones that show up in the stream, the ones that show up in the chat room, and uh, kind of let them uh, apply some guidance. It's like I said, you're the guy that is the show for us, which kind of puts you in charge. It's kind of like I tell Brenda when she's cooking, you know, she be grabbing about uh, never getting anything she wants, but she grab buys the groceries and she cooks the food. So she ought to be the one that gets everything that she wants. You see what I'm saying? And then we'll get you a maid to clean the house, but we'll have to clean the house first. Yes. I understand exactly what you're saying. I, I I'm not sure that the demographic of the show would shift radically if it came out unedited and by unedited, by unedited, I mean, the stuff before the intro and after the outro would be chopped off and everything in the middle would be left intact. I, I don't know that uh-huh. it would change things very, very much. Well, it's kind of like this. I left somebody in charge of the tiller because I had to go on my way for a while. I figured they could handle it. So I think you make a, you make a good decision on it. I'll put it out to the listeners on the mailing list or something. And then if I, depending on response, I'll either send out an episode, you know, unedited or two and, see what response to it is and then decide from there but anyway that's way way more than we need to talk about that well that'll that'll wind up as a poll question or something or an email one to the one, yeah, more idea. one more idea and I, and I think ben probably agree with agree with me on this get the gal that cleans the house since you're paying her anyway get her to edit shows <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i'll i'll edit them myself if it comes to that oh good lord all right so <laughs> Um, I, I assume, I assume we're going to listen to some of that wonderful, wonderful creative commons music that you come up with. And then we're going to come back and we're going to focus on Ben because he's been sitting over in the corner, all bashful. He ain't said nothing. He's being really quiet and, and I really want to pick at him. So, well, good. Well, you can do that right now because I have no music for the show. We're just going right into it. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Why didn't you get music? Um, because I didn't have play time. That, play that first music again. What music again? Now, the the what you played first. Oh, you mean this? All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> that you put steam in a man's stride. Let me tell you. Okay, so. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, since you you're raring to go, so why don't you go ahead and kick off this thing? Okay, so this time we're going to talk to uh, Ben Ben from down in Australia. He decided to come on the show. He actually paid money to come on the show. Now, if y'all want to come on the show, y'all pay some money too. In fact, I, all you got to do is address him checks to Great Badger of something. Anyway, so let's talk to Ben. Ben, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. No, it's uh, my pleasure to uh, be a guest. Yes, it's uh, great to be here. Finally, uh, chat to the uh, the greats of the Linux and the Hamshack show. Well, you know, the the obvious question is, what initially drew you to Linux in a ham shack, and what has kept you here? Well, really, uh, I think I was just having to Google around, looking for Linux, ham shack, software, some sort of a search query, and up it came, and I was like, okay, I'll check this out. And Yeah, since then, I've uh, stuck around, and just the personalities of you guys, have, uh, it's always great listening each uh, each and every episode. Well... 
Thank you. Uh, that's that's the deal. Uh, you you were looking for Linux programs. I know there's. I know when I started uh, using Linux, which was not as far back in the far reaches of history as Russ, but uh, when I first started uh, using Linux and podcasts were just kind of starting out and that kind of stuff, it was really hard to find audio information on uh, on the, the different uh, distributions and stuff like that. Is there a distribution you're partial to? I have to side with Russ, and I just love my Debian. I did uh, train myself up many years ago on Slackware, but uh, no, I've uh, just come such a, accustomed to the uh, the package manager of Debian and the stability of it, and really just its versatility of everything. So anything really Debian-based, but for ease of use, I stick to Linux Mint for uh, just quickly bunging on a machine and get it working. Well, it sounds like we're in the same boat, because, yeah, I've, I'm a Debian fan. I used, went through quite a few distributions. Some that don't even exist anymore, so bad, but uh, SUSE and uh, some others and ended up on Debian. And once I finally got the hang of it, it turned out to be my favorite. And I rode the, the, the what we call it around here, Ubuntu train for a while. They lost their freaking mind, and now it's got to the point that, yeah, you're right. If I want to throw something on a machine, get it up and running quick, uh, throw Linux Mint on there now. Yep. Everybody that listens to the show knows I'm not as happy with Linux Mint as I could be, but it's the lesser evil. So it, it hmm. and I mean, I even put my wife on it when I pulled her off of Windows, and she took to it like a fish to water. The only thing she was mad about is her printer wouldn't work, work right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so is, listening to the show, is any of the amateur radio content? Uh, pique your interest, or is it mainly just uh, the Linux content? A uh, bit of both, really. Um, I'm just starting off in the world of uh, ham radio and all things radio frequencies. It's one of my uh, hobbies is to collect hobbies, and so I'm uh, starting off and just getting right into very interested in the, uh, the technologies and all things radio, really. It's definitely different, and it's refreshing to see for me to know have new experiences and new things to learn, really. Yeah, I've uh, I've worked a lot of stations down that direction, and uh, okay. I hear there's a, a lot of really happening stuff going on down there as far as amateur radio. But let's see, you using, you're using Debian, you're interested mm-hmm. in amateur radio. I'm seeing more and more actual software coming out for the ham radio side in fact right now i'm researching a program called chirp which is ever had any association with d star radios there's a program out there called d rats this guy writes d he also writes chirp and it's a kind of a generic radio programming software yeah and uh, every time uh every time he can get his hands on a new radio he backward engineers his way into being able to program the radio with with chirp and it's turned out to be quite a quite an interesting piece of software okay so now we beat the linux and and the amateur radio thing to death we've done the obligatory thing so Hmm. like what do you do for fun really (laughs) (laughs) i like to do a lot of things um i play video games uh go go on for a ride on my mountain bike when i can get the chance like you said, Linux, now ham radio, and sleeping, and <laughs> drinking, and eating, and yeah, just everything, living life, and 
Okay. I, I want to know if, if this isn't too impertinent. I've, I've seen a couple of different pictures of you based on your various profiles, Google Plus and, and so on. Yeah. And I'm having a little bit of difficulty trying to pinpoint your age. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to take a stab at it and see if I'm anywhere yeah. close because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. And I'm going to guess, based on the picture that I'm looking at now, that you are 20. No, you're quite far off it. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure what picture you're looking at either. And I do, I do know what you mean. I've got random pictures scattered around everywhere. So, um, no, no, I'm actually 30. Okay, well, you have a, a boyish face then. It's a common thing for me to get asked for ID when going to a bar. <laughs> well, you do you do look very young, so that's that's wonderful, I guess. So, um, as a 30-something Australian, what exactly do you do? I mean, what is there to do in Perth, Western Australia that, you know, other than, like, play the didgeridoo? Well, there's lots of beaches, if you don't mind the sharks. Um no, I do mean that in all seriousness. <laughs> well, I've never um, been bothered by a shark yet, but, you know, there's always tomorrow. No, yeah. Well, I live right near the beach, and uh, during the summer, they got the they got the shark helicopter on the lookout almost every day. And, yep, there's quite a lot of alerts. Um, been in the water myself, and uh, they've called the siren a few times, so <laughs> it can get a little bit scary at times. <laughs> All right. Well, let me let's let's go back to the beginning. Let me jump back to the because Richard doesn't know how to interview anybody. He yeah, he's sort <laughs> he sort of hey. jumped in at the middle. So I'm going to try and figure out what to, what questions to ask you by asking you a question. Mm-hmm. You you came to Linux. Um, well, we don't really know why you came to Linux, but you you found our show because you were looking for Linux information and possibly ham radio information. We know that you're mm-hmm. sort of in the process of getting your ham radio license. We know sort of why you listen to the show because you Googled for us and we were there. Ha ha. Yay. So you've stuck around. You don't have your ham ticket yet. You, you are, you know, at least, um, on the surface, a Linux enthusiast. And yet you somehow decided that it was worthy of your time and money to send us to Hamvention, an event that you most likely were not going to be at because it was halfway around the world. So why would someone who doesn't yet have a ham radio license, uh, who doesn't really know us from anybody, um, who we really hadn't heard of before you decided to donate to our campaign, why would you do such a silly thing? <laughs> well, really, it's um, probably on the side of more of the Linux. Uh, I've actually been using Linux since the year 2002. Um, yeah, just I just love it so much. Uh, since discovering it, it's really just warped and ruined i say some careers but uh opened up many uh other possibilities and other avenues which has just been great so far um yeah by uh by trade i'm actually a bit of a linux developer at times um all things to do with linux and radio systems at times basically uh wireless systems and uh yeah modems with the gsm and 3g networks for example Okay, Russ, great. You've outed him. He works for the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) So does that mean you work in cellular networks or um, like for a carrier or something like that in in IT in some some aspect? Yeah, I basically work for a company which we deal with onboard uh, communication systems um, for fast-moving trains. So basically, you know, passenger Wi-Fi systems, so I deal with basically breaking and testing things, uh, usually. 
I just I had a bit of a modest touch with uh, getting things to fall apart in my hands, as you know, with the problems we had with the Skype calls we were trying to do. But really, uh, I'm a jack of all trades, but a master of none. I uh, got my hands in many honey pots, but yeah, it's really hard to describe what my whole role in the in the company is. But a lot of times, I deal with um, coverage surveys. Uh, looking at the data and generating graphs to actually writing custom scripts for WPA supplicant to get it to work and see how it works. Yeah, it's uh, it's all still very, like I said, I'm still very sparse with my skills, but it's uh, great learning for everything I do. So high-speed transit systems, are we talking about land-based or air-based or water-based transit systems? Uh, mostly land-based with um, high-speed rail, particular. Yep, like I said, we deal with multiple uh, cellular networks, uh, bringing it into for the one connection, and then sharing it out to the passengers for the wifi on, on board Wi-Fi and uh, entertainment systems, for example, um, which is a new product of ours, which we're trying to get up and running. But yeah, it's uh, it's never a dull moment in my job, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, that sounds really interesting because I, I personally am a fan of rail travel and rail travel, especially high speed rail travel, seems to be very popular in every part of the world except for here. There are initiatives in, in several municipalities and several regions of the country for implementing high speed rail travel, but we really don't have any such thing. If you, if you want to get somewhere any, you know, with any kind of speed, you use an airplane. There's uh, a high-speed corridor, one that they're, I guess, trying to build between, like, New York City and Washington, D.C., but that's the only one I know of that's really in any kind of progress. But I hear about high-speed rail in places like, you know, France and stuff like that, where where trains are a much more popular transit medium than they are here. So that's kind of yeah. cool to hear about. Um, what, you know, how, how extensive is rail travel in Australia? I mean, is it a primary mode of travel, like? you know, the opposite of what it would be here, <laughs> or plane's still the way to go? No, it would have to probably be a bit like America. Like, there's not too much rail travel there. There is some rail systems within the capital cities, but if you want to go from state to state, there is a few lines, but they're not by any all means uh, fast. They're uh, <laughs> Usually it can take quite a few days just to get from, say, Perth to Adelaide or... Perth to Sydney, for example. Um, if, if you can even, I don't, I'm not even sure you can go that far f- to, from Perth to Sydney, to be honest. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's definitely no fast rail systems in per- in, uh, in Australia at the moment. They're talking about putting in a high speed rail line from Dallas to Houston down the 35 corridor down here. Uh, my understanding, they purchased uh, some of the land. It's a lot of hilly territory, so they're going to have to have to really figure out the logistics to get the be able mm. to run the higher speed rail um, but they get it figured out uh, I can I've heard of several places where they plan were planning on putting putting high speed rail systems in and thinking about it is I always thought it was a good idea I was like a teenager in my tw- early 20s when they started running the uh, running the one in Japan and I mm. always thought that was a great idea yeah the Shinkansen it's a uh... If you ever go there, it's absolute marvel. It's so precise, so fast. You can get from one end of a country to the other within a matter of a, a day to even hours from city to city. It's yeah, you get quite spoiled and come back home and you got to catch the bus. <laughs> it's quite disappointing. Yeah, I think what was in the chat 
where was the thing where they put it in the high speed highway? Was that between Austin and Houston? Well, that I'm unclear of. Uh, I really hadn't heard anything about that. They, they're so busy screwing things up with tollways around here that you really don't hear much about actual highways and stuff anywhere else. Well, I think they were saying that they were going to, or that they did implement some basically straight stretch of road between two cities in Texas. And I want to say it was between Austin and Houston where the speed, they jumped the speed limit to like 85 or 90 or something like that. Just to miles per hour. That's miles per hour. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are places out in West Texas where they actually have 90 mile an hour speed limit signs posted. This I do know. I've heard from some of the guys I talked to the road, talked to on the radio here while we're slowed down for a minute. And not to derail things. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, Ted in the chat rooms was talking about he'd, he'd like to have a man on board as a tester for some of his software. Ted writes amateur radio stuff and a few other things. And we occasionally have him on to talk about his stuff because it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, I'm Now and then, I, like I said, I've got many uh, hobbies and I am testing software with the Blade RF software defined radio that's one of my that's pretty much how I've got into the ham radio things from now on and yeah it's uh it's I'm always more welcome to try out new stuff and software and give feedback definitely well you know we were talking about chirp earlier also um I don't know if uh, anybody in in your circle of friends has uh has picked up any of them yet, but right now the uh, Chinese handhelds are really popular here. Oh, okay. Bayfang, uh, the Waxon, some of the others. Chirp's written in Python, so anybody mm-hmm. can like put their hands on it and work with it and play with it and everything else and modify yep. it. And Dan actually needs help like that because he stays covered up most of the time. But anyway, go ahead, Russ. Yep. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. And it, I, I heard at Hamvention several folks who stopped by our booth mention the fact that when they buy a Baofeng radio, that they will yeah, use. That. I'm sorry. I said, yeah, that. Yeah, that they they will use Chirp to program it as opposed to the software that comes with the radio because Chirp actually functions better than the included software package for doing programming. Uh, this yeah. is especially true of the of the Chinese handhelds. Okay. Well. Yeah, the software that comes with it, um, nothing about these radios are intuitive to the American frame of reference. I'm sure they are in China, uh, people using them there. In the, in Asia, they, they probably, uh, it's probably simpler or, uh, it's more intuitive for them. But, um, yeah, you have to kind of jump through hoops with these things and the, software that they have for this particular radio that I'm working with right now is horrible. And that's yep. one of the reasons I decided to uh, get a copy of Chirp, which actually comes in a live CD, which makes it a lot easier also. Uh, you can either install it on a on an existing system or you can run it on a live CD. And either way, uh, it works pretty well. It's a standard spreadsheet uh, piece of programming software that you just plug in the frequencies and stuff like that, and you're off to the races. Oh, great. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll look into that because I have been thinking about purchasing a, a handheld uh, as my first radio. Um, unfortunately, I don't really have the space to set up a station or anything. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it would just be good to listen in on things on the bus, I guess, and, yeah, <laughs> causing well, troubles. The upside with these are that uh, at least the one that I'm working with right now, I mean, it's $40 US, and you can add oh. a program 
Yeah, you can add a program and cable for uh, $10 U.S., and yep. it's it's a dual bander. It's got 128 channels. It's worth wow. taking a look at anyway. That's, um, that's one thing as well. So I've been looking at the Realtek R832 chipset, uh, what uh, TV tuner dongles, um, and how their capabilities of picking up, you know, amateur radio, AM, FM, and even, in particular, I'm going to, I've purchased one on eBay and still waiting for it. it. Cost me ten dollars, but there's so much support for it to uh, pick up the ADS-B signals from aeroplanes. Basically, the uh, live tracking. Um, can't wait to get my hand on that and have a bit of a play. You know, all for ten dollars. I get the dongle, a little antenna, which obviously I'll need to chop it up or modify it to get a better signal performance. But yeah, that, that's what I love about it now is. The software behind uh, uh, the radios is just so powerful. Um, you can do things, so many awesome, crazy things for so cheap nowadays. It's it's really uh, surprising. Yeah, there's a whole uh, there's a whole RTL SDR project that's based around that chipset yep. for you know Linux Linux based uh, software for doing receiving um, with those specific software defined radios. There's a whole that's actually one of the most robust parts of software-defined radio for Linux based around those chips. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and like I said, the, uh, the, the Blade RF, it's the, that's getting more and more support with software, um, and it's just becoming, so far, just so much fun to be able to just tune into really anything you want and define it. It's great. Yeah, I did a search for Blade RF, and I found the newand.com site, N-U-A-N-D.com, looking at some yep. of their stuff there. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it started off as a Kickstarter campaign, so uh, I chipped in and got my unit about probably about a year ago now. Um, and I've ordered the now the transverter board, which again adds more capabilities from six kilohertz, sorry six kilohertz to three hundred megahertz. And the Blade RF alone does three hundred to three gigahertz. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's really uh, bewildering to me at the moment because it's you know I'm still fairly new to the ham radio and everything radio based but it's uh i love to dive into the deep end and just get myself lost and yeah that's the only way you learn really sink or swim well if you've been listening to the show i mean it's kind of a step away from software defined radio but it's uh d star mm. and we were talking about in the last uh episode about the guys from northwest digital radio created a an ambi chip on a daughter board for the pi which contains the transcoder and everything right on it so you just snap it onto the raspberry pi and you've got a d-star rig yes yes i remember looking into that um i've got a book marked so been toying with the idea but i think i'll clear out a few more projects that i've got going before uh i'm taking on any more <laughs> <laughs> i know what that's like all right so part part of this is supposed to be kind of like you know you get to come on here and we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us and you get to say stuff like that we might not ask you is you know something you want to say rant about speak your brains about etc etc is there still really haven't gotten down to the reason why you wanted to be on the show and i'm not sure there is a reason i'm not sure there has to be a reason but is there anything you wanted to just say for the hell of saying it um no i've almost said a lot of the stuff that I wanted to get across is make mention of the Blad RF and uh, the progressions of the software-defined radio itself. Um, and, you know, basically just 
say hello to you two, or three I should say, and yeah, um, I'll think of uh, anything else that pops into my mind, but yeah, it's just a, a pleasure to be here, really. Okay, so, so you're like shilling for the Blade RF, is that it? You're like part of the project? and <laughs> <laughs> not, not, uh, sh- No, I'm not a part of it, but it's uh, something that I'm uh, deeply interested in, and I want to see it uh, flourish, basically. Get more support, more people backing it, and purchasing it, and hopefully contributing, uh, basically in all the spirit of Linux itself. It sounds to me like you are a huge advocate of the crowdfunding model. It seems to be something that you've taken to. Yes, yes, I would have to say that. Um, because a lot of the times you can, as a, yeah, as a, as a backer yourself, you can have the, uh, the input directly with the manufacturer and have that relationship, whereas, um, you know, you might have, say, X company that releases a software, um, or sorry, uh, a product and go, here you go. This is our release, and um, as Richard said, uh, you know, like uh, people have had to go out and and write better software to support their products and reverse engineer. It's better off really to work hand in hand with the with the manufacturer and the consumer, um, and overall you get a much better product. I find. Does does the company you work for? I'm not even sure you work for a company. I don't know that we got to that point. But um, in in your work life, do you use open source as a technology, or is that something you came to on your own? Um, I did start off on my own, and yeah, I did start off on my own uh, with open source software, and always thought, yep, yeah, this is the path I want to take on. Um, so I did work, you know, with proprietary software. But yes, uh, the company that I work with now is very much uh, open source based. Um, it's always a, a first option we try to go for is a an open source solution and uh, modify it to our needs if we can, um, and, and work with the developers itself, uh, if, even if that means uh, throw them a few dollars to add a feature or not um, to our needs. And it's it's a model that I find is ten times better than anything you can find commercially. And, a commercial software is it's often good but uh it's not definitely not uh the first option that we go for and personally as well right that, that's excellent i i know you know my company embraces open source but i i often think they do it for not necessarily the proper reason they do it from the cost perspective not necessarily from the freedom perspective i try to push both whenever possible and I guess I can't really complain because on the one hand, they aren't doing it for the right reason, but on the other hand, they are doing it. <laughs> Therefore, yep. you kind of take what you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, I've worked with companies before where it's all been closed sourced and I've had absolute terrible times. So it's uh, it's real. I'm actually really lucky and fortunate to have fallen into this job, actually. it's uh, It was quite a bit of a good luck and good fortune um, to actually have landed into it. So... Yeah, it was a quite a surprise. Because so I had pretty much previously given up and working in IT. Um, before this job, I was in the marine safety equipment industry, repairing and fixing uh, marine life rafts and safety equipment. But I uh, got a bit tired of that and thought I'd have a poke around. And lo and behold, I uh, stumbled across this job. Didn't think I'd get the uh, even a acknowledgement, but uh, they asked me to co- come in and do the interview. And next thing you know, I had a almost a dream job. Well, we should all be so lucky because we aren't. (laughs) Uh, So how, so how soon are you going to have your ham ticket? Uh, Um, Well, what's the plan? What's the roadmap? uh, The roadmap is uh, get the, the 
Wireless Institute of Australia handbook. Um, have a flick through that. And really, yeah, just try and get down the theory of things first, I guess. And try to team up with one of the local uh, radio clubs. Uh, unfortunately, with due to my work commitments, uh, it's quite hard for me to tee up uh, any free days because it's often shifting around with my work shifts. But, um, you know, i just got to make it happen, really, and be serious about it because uh, I can't wait to actually get uh, get interactive and uh, start uh, calling around and having discussions on the air. Yeah, that'll be cool. I can't wait till we have our first uh, QSO with you or Richard or, you know, somebody. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I have to get my yeah. ass back on the air because that doesn't happen all that often either. All right, yeah. Richard, where'd you go? Oh, I'm just sitting here reading. You're not supposed to be reading. You're supposed to be interacting with our guest. Getting my smart on. Your smart on? Okay. Yeah, I thought you said your hard on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you'll find amateur radio a lot of fun when you finally are able to get into it. And mm. even at the lower license levels, yeah. you have access to digital stuff like uh, uh, Echolink. Uh, D-Star, uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff like that. And I mean, I'm not, I'm kind of fuzzy on the license structure there, but, um, I'm sure there's, a something very similar to our, uh, our technician level license, which will let you do a whole lot of stuff. And a lot of yep. people never pass that. Yep. Uh, the first level is the foundation license, which, uh, does require, to use commercial off-the-shelf products, um, and I think from then on, it's a bit like the technical or technician uh, certificate that you guys have. Is the next step up is uh, you can actually use homebrew equipment, um, which I think really um, I'm going to probably have to try and leapfrog the uh, foundation and go for the uh, intermediate level, just so I can use the the, the software-defined radios, um, which of course means a lot more work on my behalf, but Overall, it would uh, be much more rewarding. Um, okay. The only problem well, I can see is having an antenna where I live. It's uh, I live in quite a suburban area, and uh, I'm sure the council wouldn't really uh, be too happy me uh, putting up a big one. giant mast. Well, there's ways to hide that stuff, though. <laughs> yeah, yep. I have looked at that stuff. Yep. Easiest way is with a nice, uh, nice patriotic flagpole <laughs> with a. With an aerial right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a few palm trees. So I could probably uh, hide in amongst. <laughs> uh, well, even on the lower bands, you know, you, you look at the map and see kind of how Australia is set up. Uh, MVIS on lower bands would be work out really good. I mean, mm. it's kind of close in, and uh, uh, you don't have a lot of dead space in between uh, your ground wave propagation and sky wave propagation. So it kind of fills that hole in. So there's not a gap. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of people out in, out in the, what we'd call them rural areas. Um, I hate to use that term that they beat to death here. It yeah. happens to be the name of a steakhouse. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, they make the living, make the living there local and got amateur radio so they can talk into the more, more urban areas and do whatever they need to do that way. Mm. We have well, a, um, we have yeah, a lot well, of last sorry. That are, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, um, you know, the, the geographical, uh, features of, uh, Western Australia in particular is rather flat and uh, we've got a very stable climate and, and even like like I said now using the SDR uh, 
Blade RF with the SDR console on Windows, I'm able to just pick up random repeaters at it around the 450 megahertz range, and it's amazing what I pick up sometimes just listening in using a, a simple uh, rooftop uh, 3G uh, antenna. That's supposed to be for a car. I'm just got that plugged in next to a whiteboard at work and picking up something, yeah, <laughs> without uh, any fuss. And then when you add the computers to it, because there's so much great stuff for Linux to use with the with the uh, radios. I mean, we talked about programming software a little bit, but you know, you've got other stuff for digital modes and stuff like that. And because Linux is the way it is, and here we are back to Linux at, at close close to the end of our conversation about this. Um, the great thing about it is you can always go in and program something up to make things work the way you need them to work on your radio. Um, yeah. Most of the digital modes I run are all open source digital stuff. I don't worry about trying to pull in stuff from uh, window, Windows or anywhere else. Uh, we use FLDigi, or I use FLDigi, which is a big chunk of the uh, big software package here that actually gets sold for a fairly decent amount of money called uh, Ham Radio Deluxe. Oh, yes. And then you've got other stuff like JT65. Olivia's starting to take off here, which is uh, kind of an MFSK kind of mode over the air, air and that kind of stuff. And even, I mean, shoot, what you're talking uh, there you live in is kind of like West Texas, kind of open, kind of flat, and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, the same uh, same suite of software that this JT65, that's a HF, it's a really low speed HF mode comes out of. There's also one called uh, WSJT, which is for meteor scatter of all things, bounces signals off the ion trails uh, from incoming meteors. Oh, right. When you got a wide open sky, it makes it a whole lot easier to do stuff like that. Yeah, well, uh, I do have a view almost of the uh, the ocean, so who knows what I can pick up from that what, that direction anyway. Yeah, even though it's not good to bounce uh, signals off the ocean, I know that, but you never know. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, I've got my, some of my best contacts uh, bouncing signals off water. So <laughs> yeah. Don't tell anybody and go ahead and do it. <laughs> I just want to take this moment to say that the uh, the Richard the views expressed by Richard on Linux in the Ham Shack do not reflect the views of the management. Uh, if there's any problem, please send hate mail to hate mail at uh, billxnotetaker uh, dot org. Thank you very much. Yeah, very good, Thanks, very bro. good, <clears throat> very CYA of you, Richard. So, all right, well, as uh, as enjoyable as this has been i think we probably need to move on to the close of the show so um i'll uh put it out there that if anybody in the chat room has anything they want to say to or ask ben go ahead and do it now and ben if you have anything else you want to conclude with you should probably do that now but we probably should do our little our last story here and our outro and uh, let you go about the business of your day because it's almost a new day for the rest of us. Um, yeah, just one thing I'd like to uh, make comment. Um, Cheryl, uh, I think a few weeks ago you did the, what was it, the April Fool's joke? And that got me thinking. Um, I think you should actually start a segment to do uh, actual uh, Cheryl's recipes because uh, often I find myself struggling to find uh, new ideas for food and 
cookings and I'm sure a lot of other people are as well so yeah, take that on board I think and uh, that can be your contribution to the show. I wonder if she went away. <laughs> yes. I had to go clean the house. The maid's coming. Well, she's still in the chat, but she may be trying to ignore the rest of us. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, she's probably uh, just ignoring that. <laughs> well, you might get your you might get your wish if she wants to do a recipe segment that that I think we could include it. I don't see any reason why we couldn't. <laughs> It'd be Linux in the kitchen. Ki- yeah. Kitchen in the ham shack. That's what, that's what we want to do. Hey, I'm, I'm, good. I'm all about food. Ham in the kitchen, something. <laughs> well, I hope she comes back because she's supposed to do this next bit. I'm back. Oh, I you're back. I'm going to go start some more laundry. Oh, okay. Well, did you hear Ben's comment? I heard, I heard something about Cheryl and cooking or recipes and that I was shutting the dryer door at that time. So yeah. I told him you probably had to clean the house because the maid was coming. <laughs> here, here is the deal. Since you've been giving me crap about the maid thing all day, I decided to go ahead and like strip the beds so she could remake them tomorrow. I uh, now have laundry piled down the hallway in the house, and I'm trying to get done so I get the beds removed. Because she won't be here long enough to do all the laundry. She would, but she won't be here long enough to get all that done. So... I would have to come home from getting the dogs groomed tomorrow to face big mountains of laundry in my clean floors. And I would prefer not to do that. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. that aside, Ben's comment was that you should have your own recipe segment on the show. So do you want to do a recipe segment on the show? Um, I think you'll lose listeners. Oh, I don't think so. (laughs) He's, he's actually requesting it. He's a listener. He says you should do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, actually, there's a couple of people in the invention that mentioned it, too. So, you know. Well, see, there you go. They uh, wanted yeah. to know if I had a website with recipes or something on it. So The listeners I... demand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's been a format change to the show. So, next episode, you can expect uh, Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Ben, for, for your, your generous donation first of all, and, uh, for, you know, coming on the show and being a part of this and, uh, it's been fun. We've, we've really been glad to have you. Yeah, no, it's a uh, pleasure's all mine. It's uh, I'm glad that you guys were able to go to Hamvention and spread the, uh, the word and the love of Linux and radio combining. And yeah, so hopefully, uh, you can converted a few more people to ditch the windows boxes at least. I think we have. I think we've done really well, actually. Um, our ca- our campaigns to sort of get more people into it. I- I've been sort of hitting the yep. social media a little bit harder and pushing stuff out, and we've seemed to be getting a lot more interest. And I noticed that our downloads per episode have gone in the last three to four months have gone from fifteen hundred to over two thousand per episode. So, wow. I think we're doing wow. pretty well. Congratulations, that's good. Yeah. I, I actually think at Hamvention we there because a lot of people walk up and say, you know, okay, so what what are you here for? You know, and we explain what we're doing. And a lot of people will say, Do you have, you know, Linux on a disc or something that I can buy and take with us? And we're like, There's a pile of discs right there, grab one and go. Yeah, and I, there were a couple of people that actually came, you know, they, they picked one up on Friday. They came back on Saturday and said, you know, I tried it last night and I liked it or I tried it last night and I ran into a couple of problems and here was the problems that I faced and we were mm-hmm. able to 
show them or tell them how to fix that. You know, so I think probably every year, you know, we we convert more people over. So at Hamvention. So that's good to hear. I'm glad, and uh, it was all worth it just to hear that. So. <laughs> and we didn't we didn't like attack you too badly i hope richard didn't like put you off or, <laughs> or anything like that no no not at all <laughs> so when when did you start by... to speak to the great richard we, we didn't ask you Sorry? when you started listening what what at what point oh um i think it was about episode 108 109 oh so you started yeah. listening after the richard so you're not even sure who richard is <laughs> Well, there was quite a while where I had no idea who this Richard guy was, and often you guys would feature one of his uh, messages on the answering machine. But um, no, uh, I've gotten uh, introduced to his uh, customs uh, in the last few weeks or so, so no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. So again, um, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for uh, <laughs> fighting through the technical issues early on and uh, hanging hanging out long enough to get this done. I really appreciate it, and uh, can't thank you enough oh, for your for your help with the uh, hamvention. No, no, that's great. Um, no, not a problem at all. It's uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. My bash meter was going off. Were y'all bashing me? Yes, we were. Yep. Oh. Okay, as long as I know that it's working like it's supposed to. Yes, yes, your your alarm is functioning properly. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, um, we need to move on. We had I have one more story. Since we don't have any music, we'll just sort of jump right into it. Unless uh, Richard wants to fake that we had music again. I vote no. No. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> Again, I need to give thanks to Cheryl for putting in all of the news items for this show because I've been too busy with everything else to to get that done. So we've had some great content in that regard. Uh, And this last one I just wanted to throw in here because there have been some changes to rules regarding licensing approved by the FCC, uh, specifically to hams in the United States, which is what the FCC's jurisdiction is. And I'm not sure I want to read this whole thing, but I'm going to try and uh, summarize. Uh, and then you can go to the FCC's website or to the ARRL's website and uh, get in the full details. But the, the FCC says that the public interest will be served by revising the amateur service rules to grant partial examination credit for certain expired amateur operator licenses to permit examinations to be administered remotely and to permit amateur stations to use technologies that stations and other services are already permitted to use. Uh, In this decision, the FCC will make it a bit easier for hams whose licenses have expired to get back into the service, which is a great thing. That's a good idea. Should have been done earlier. Uh, This is by granting written examination credit for test elements three and four to holders of expired licenses uh, that initially required passages uh, or passage of those elements. Uh, In the same action, the commission refused to give examination credit to the holder of an expired certificate of successful completion of examination. Uh, The FCC has decided to continue the requirement that three volunteer examiners be present at amateur testing sessions. Um, The report and order says that allowing volunteer examiners and VECs the option of administering examinations at locations remote is warranted and notes that as far as back as 2002, the National Conference of Volunteer Examiner Coordinators endorsed experimental use of video conferencing technology to conduct licensing testing. Uh, the FCC declined to address the mechanics of remote testing, remote testing uh, as they will likely vary from location to location and session to session. 
specific rules spelling out how to ex- administer exam sessions remotely could limit the flexibility of conducting these sessions. And they also said that uh, the FCC has adopted an ARRL proposal to authorize certain types of time division multiplexing access, TDMA, emissions for permanent use by radio amateurs. Uh, the Bureau had granted a league request for a temporary blanket waiver to permit radio amateurs to transmit emissions with designators FXD, FXE, and F7E pending a resolution of a rulemaking partition. In issuing its final decision on the matter, the FCC stated that those commenting strongly supported such a change and noted that such a modification to its rules is consistent with the basis and purpose of the Part 97 amateur service. So if you want more details about that, I'm sure you can find all the information about rule changes rule changes at uh, FCC.gov or ARRL.org. I do have a, f- a few little bits of feedback that I'm just going to run through real quickly. Um, we don't really have time for, you know, too much discussion. Some of these are coming through on Twitter. We're actually getting feedback from tweets now, which is nice. Um, I've got that contest running where as soon as we get to 500 Twitter followers, we will be giving away a Baofeng HT to some lucky listener. Uh, the push has actually got us from 323 Twitter followers when I started to 416. So um, we're only 84 away. So if you're on Twitter and you hear this, go ahead and you know tweet that, get people to follow us on Twitter. And as soon as we hit 500, then somebody's going to win our radio. And uh, the new followers have uh, started giving us feedback by tweeting, which is kind of cool. Uh, especially cool because the feedback is only 140 characters or less generally, so it's easy to get through. Let's see. Here's here's a, an email I got from Joel McLaughlin. He, um, oh boy, am I going to forget his call sign? I am. Uh, W3RAZ maybe? That may be somebody else's call sign. I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> anyway, Joel was up at Hamvention. He visited with us while we were there. Uh, and he's commenting on the statistics we mentioned about attendance at recent hamventions and he says back in the day hamvention booths were basically told by hamvention staff that they had to be open the full time of the show they don't do that anymore many vendors will shut down early hence the reduced population on sunday and uh, we definitely see that and we uh, you know I, I tend to start packing up a little bit early on sunday but by the time i get packed up we're generally there until the show closes anyway so, um, but I do see a lot of, of empty spaces on Sunday and I'm sure that does contribute to a lower population on the last day of the show. Uh, but as he says, that is what it is. So we also got a tweet from at fuzzy Conley. He says, uh, regarding the FL digi update, check out apt app dash pinning. It allows you to update individual packages from different repos. This was in response to a question we had from someone trying to install the latest version of FL Digi on a particular Debian system where that version wasn't necessarily in the repositories. Uh, I didn't investigate this app-pinning option to the apt package manager or to, to the dpackage overlay called apt, uh, but apparently it can allow you to install different versions of software from different uh, package repositories by flagging them that they should be installed from a particular place. Uh, so that might be something for someone to investigate if they need that kind of functionality. We also got a message from Randy uh, at Kilo 7 Alpha Golf Echo, K7AGE. 
who says, Pete, thanks for the nice comments on show number 130. Uh, so thanks to Randy K7AGE for the props to Pete, who um, we may hear from again someday. We're just really not sure. So if Pete ever comes back, we'll let him know you said something. And then we had a message from Peter, OK2CQR, which we interviewed three episodes ago. And he said regarding his HamQTH project, yes, HamQTH has automatic import of FCC and VE call sign databases. Uh, he also imports a few more like our local call book. That would be the Czech Republic's local call book. But I have to do it by hand. I have never developed anything for Firefox or Chrome. Maybe the author of the QRZ extension for Chrome could make small changes and point to the ham QTH website instead. This is something that I actually want to look at myself to see if I can make a similar plugin, a similar browser plugin for doing direct call sign lookups from them to ham QTH as opposed to QRZ, because I'm not a huge fan of QRZ.com since they started limiting access to it by uh, login and password. So that is pretty much all the feedback we have. And then we come down to the social media roundup. And now that Cheryl is no longer putting stuff in the dryer, uh, she should be able to read these, eh? Maybe. Maybe if I can get my iPad to... Uh, to cooperate? Mute. Yeah, to cooperate. So. Okay. <laughs> all right. And we all have right. a huge I'm long list. Yeah. So have fun I with this. So, all right. Well, to start it off in the donations and subscriptions category, we have Doug Jones that didn't yearly, Steve Conklin was monthly, Jonathan Spriggs was yearly, Scott Pettigrew was monthly, Jeremy Hall was monthly, and David Smith was yearly. On Facebook, Rafael Baraldo, Jan Anderson, Paul Sullivan, Richard Pryor, Chris Stiegel, Steigel, uh, Belgian Pen Pal and Deb Hutchinson uh, joined us on Facebook. And if I massacre anybody's names, please forgive me. I'm from Missouri. On <laughs> on Google Plus, we had um, Josiah Ritchie, Chris Justice, and George Stratton. And here comes the big long Twitter list: Stitcher Radio, Jeremy L, Greg N, Snake Eyes underscore Sam, Heil Sound. Rob Payne, Blind Kangaroo, W7ND, Amateur Radio Club, uh, Gamundin, Chris, Steve Lawrence, Socket Winch, Southwest Ohio DX, Ron, K5XK, James Newman, Wayne Perjohn, Brian Arsenault, Richard Clark, Captain Dags, W4DDM, David Smith, Peter Holzik, Ronald Hemingway, Thomas Adsit, Tim Sutton, and Dutch Ham Radio Club Station. There was no people that joined the mailing list, YouTube, and there were no merchandise sales this time. All right, that was a huge Twitter list. And I think Twitter is not reporting to me all of the people that have joined. So I think there were some people probably left off of that list. And if you were left off of that list, I apologize, but I don't get notifications of everybody. However, the Linux in the Hamshack account does follow everybody back, and we do follow and monitor your tweets, especially if you tag, you know, you hashtag or you at mention LHS podcast. 
Um, so we do see, you know, your mentions and stuff like that. And we appreciate all of the follows via the various social media networks and via Twitter. And just remember, as soon as we get to 500 Twitter followers, we give away a radio. So somebody's going to get one. Thank you for getting through that huge, long list. Hopefully we keep getting huge, long lists of new people subscribing to the show in the various ways uh, and the future downloads and so on and so forth. And uh, unless anyone has anything else they want to say by way of uh, wrapping up the show, I think it's time to do the outro. Please check out our website at http colon stroke stroke lhspodcast.info. Think about becoming an LHS ambassador. You can visit our website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the ham shack at a nearby LinuxCon or HamFest. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. All hate mail is routed to Harrison at hatemail at lhspodcast.info and he doesn't get nearly enough of it, so you should send him some. Please subscribe to our mailing list. A link is on the website. If you're looking for merchandise for Linux in the Ham Shack, we have new shirts with new logos. You can check them out at Cafe Press or Printfection, www.cafepress.com stroke LHS podcast or www.printfection.com stroke LHS podcast. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads on the right hand column of the homepage. Every click sends us like a half a penny or something like that. It doesn't cost you anything at all. You can listen live to the show every other Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central, unless we have technical difficulties, in which case it will start at 9.45, which is somewhere around 0200 Zulu Wednesday morning. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode is on the website, as is all the information about our program. Thank you to all of our listeners, donators, subscribers, feedback providers, quasi-live, past, present, future, and in alternate dimensions. We appreciate each and every one of you. You've been listening to episode number 132 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And I'll actually send it from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas back down to the slightly faded and slightly rotting cardboard box next to the river somewhere outside of Mesquite, Texas, where Richard will say something like this. It's not very witty, but doggone it. Uh, thank y'all for letting me uh, take some time on your uh, iPod this time around. We'll see y'all in the near future. y'all know i went through that entire thing without saying watch over for new episodes of resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast coming in august check out our website at www.rfpodcast.info oops strokes kicking in